All right, we are good. Today's guest is Dennis Hekmati. Welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Thank you so much, sir. Brett, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Now, you're coming from a very idyllic uh, position right now. Where are you at? Coming to you from uh, Oslo, Oslo, Norway. Made the move here with my family uh, about nine, nine, ten months ago or so. And Beautiful. Quite, quite the venture. And sitting out on my terrace right now to to keep the noises out from the little kid inside. I don't have much space inside. So if there's a little bit of outside noise, I apologize. I'm not trying to look angry. It's the sun hitting my eyes, if anything. But yeah. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you coming on. You, you're going to talk today about a really important topic in swimming, which is um, strength and conditioning primarily. Uh, that's that's your speciality. That's your focus. So you were, you were a former swimmer yourself. So just in terms of a little bit of background for people listening. Give us some of your history. Absolutely. Well, born and raised in Sweden, Gothenburg, and uh, decided towards the end of my high school years that I would like to venture out to the U.S. and combine swimming and and uh, an education because the the combo here it works in Sweden and Norway, but it's a pretty straight on. If you pick school, it's going to be pretty intense, and you don't have the same academic advisors helping you out uh, having the same facilities and training schedule nearby to combine everything. So I was always intrigued by that. Um, start off at Daytona State College, junior college, was coached by Ryan Lochte's father, Steve Lochte, and, uh, and his sister, Kristen Lochte, and transferred over to Arizona State University, uh, where I was uh, teammates with Herbie Bam that you had on a few weeks ago, doing exceptional things right now at Arizona State. Uh, I got married, moved out to University of Utah, got my master's there working with the University of Utah, swimming and diving team as a graduate assistant for two years and then full time for one year before I decided to venture on and do uh, Swimmer Strength, my little baby company, full time. And it was sometime towards the end of my my senior year, uh, I uh, I realized that there were not as much educational material out there on how to effectively train swimmers on land to, uh, to have optimal performances and minimize injuries. So I, I just made a Facebook page, Swimmer Strength, and see where it was going to go. And within a few weeks, I had over 2,000 followers. And uh, I thought, wow, maybe there's something going on here. And, uh, and then the rest is history. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, Swimmer Strength is an important topic. And I think over the past 20 years, it's become um, a little bit more specialized, but we're still at a point where we don't have designated necessarily swim strength coaches, right? You, usually they'll come from a background of um, some other sport or they'll be associated with, you know, another team and they'll have to work with the swim team and figure out how to get swimmers to, you know, gain strength, flexibility, um, conditioning you know they'll, they'll they generally apply a lot of the the techniques and formulas that they've used for other sports and and, and try and get it to relate to swimming but it's not very specific especially in america right and i think you may have noticed that just being here yourself and probably part of the reason why you took up this quest of uh really digging into swimming a little bit more so this is a really interesting topic for us worldwide um and, and the fact that you've even written a book about it, which is uh, outstanding, I think people can use that as a, as a real resource. Do you happen to have a copy of the book handy that we can look at? 
Absolutely. Yeah, the, the book is called Foundations of Strength Training for Swimmers. And I'm very proud of this book, Brett. It, uh, it's 10 chapters. It's actually fairly easy read. We're talking not even 80 pages where I'm going through uh, the problem, the background, and, and uh, what I would believe is a good solution for the core streamline, the taper. We're talking about uh, hypermobile swimmers versus really stiff swimmers testing, recovery, et cetera, right? And you're also mentioning about the strength coaches not being or having that swimming background, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, right? I think mm -hmm. the main uh, the main benefit of having someone that has had the swimming background is the language, right? You can relate a little bit to movements, positions in the water, and, and kind of have the same uh, terminology used as they hear on the pool deck, right? Um, versus like you said, learning the sport a little bit which is quite unique there's no other sport like swimming right where we place the human body horizontally in water to swim as fast as possible it's quite unique so right. yeah during the pandemic I, I took my time and and uh and thought about issues that i still think are out there and not talked about in depth versus the the research that are slowly coming out because there's still a lot to thank American football, right? I mean, those are the strength coaches that truly began strength and conditioning and it's slowly trickling down and all the research is, not all the research, but a lot of research is done on American football players and other sports. And, and we're starting to see a lot more research slowly coming out for the swimming world, which is really exciting. Well, Dennis, um, let's, let's start and take me through some of this stuff. But, but first, uh, where can we actually find the book? Where can people um, order it, buy it? Absolutely. It's, it's live on Amazon, amazon.com. Okay. Since it was released, we've sold about 2,000, 2,500 copies. Really fun. Anyone who's listening, if you read the book, please uh, share your thoughts and views. I would love a, a little review on there. And um, yeah, it, it's quite simple, man. And, and then again, it's, it's more principles that how, how to apply smarter training right. outside the pool. So there's not necessarily a ton of uh, workouts or exercises if you're looking for that this book is not for you. But if you're looking to broaden your mind a little bit to think a little bit outside the box and how to apply certain things, it's going to be a good fun read for you. Right? Well, let's start from the beginning then because we have a lot of, um, you know, age group coaches listen to this as well. And that's kind of where we've all started. You know, we, we start from a yeah. very young age. So how do we, uh, um, where, where do we begin with strength and conditioning for young swimmers? Great question here. I think that you know, Vern Gambetta says it the best is the godfather of functional training to focus a lot on movements more than the muscles is one part. And uh, you had a phenomenal uh, mini podcast out with uh, John Talty. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. um, of his uh, his little uh, article where right. it also talking more about like move well. Right? When we're in the water, we're loose. We want to be loose. We want to be long. Um, and the problem then becomes creating tension in little swimmers and, and knowing how to stay stable and how to engage the whole body as a system uh, without staying floppy, if you will, and uh, learning how to use the body most efficiently. So starting a lot with obviously body weight movements and, and give them a good range of variation of the different uh, physical characteristics that we want to develop is is amazing. So we're talking about really young swimmers, say 10 years and younger, or even up to 12, you know, they, they do have fairly good mobility, most of them. 
we, we want to teach them how to have better stability, right? And, and the stability means more control. How can we keep our, our spine in which I'm explaining in the book is our core. Because if we ask 10 coaches, you're going to get 10 different definitions of what the core is. So I simplify a little bit in the book where I say that it's anything attached to the spine and affecting movements essentially. And that way we can get on common grounds of what the core truly is. And if we put swimmers in different positions and and just look at their spine and, and the more the spine is moving, the less stable they typically are. So starting from there, um, starting with body weight strength, relative strength, so they can always maintain that good baseline strength before moving into anything more complex, right, is, a, is the best way to go. And as they get a little bit older, tend to put a little bit more muscle on, sometimes getting a little bit more stiff, adding more mobility work and a little bit more power work is always always uh, good. But, you know, developing their coordination on land is certainly going to help them in the water uh, as far as making the technical changes as well, because there's a lot of times swimming coaches are scratching their heads on why a certain swimmer cannot make a technical change. Uh, many times that same swimmer tends to have a little bit of issues on land as well. So having patience with swimmers and taking it a little bit step by step uh, and building them from the ground up is the best way to go. And this is where I would imagine a lot of um, more of the conditioning comes in, you know, and, and the athleticism that you talked about, you know, when I was young, everybody played other sports of some, some respect. Now it seems to be like kids are specializing a little bit younger and being pushed into swimming, uh, maybe a little harder from a young age. So uh, I think you would be recommending that we continue to branch out and play other sports at a young age, correct? 100%. And for those swimmers, right, who, who don't get that opportunity or haven't had that upbringing, let's face it, that comes from parents typically. I suppose sometimes the individual says, I just want to do this sport as well. Um, but I would encourage parents to always put, in a, put a swimmer also in a ground-based sport. But in many instances, that's not the case, right? So I have uh, what we're doing here with our club. So I moved to Norway working for one of the largest clubs in Norway currently, Lambert Setter Swimming Club. And we're trying to create a good system for our club. And for those swimmers who only do swimming, we treat dry land training and whatever we do on land as their secondary sport. So we do not continue to stay monotonous in doing the same movements over and over again, arm swings this and arm swings that, crunches and sit-ups, rather than broadening our instructors' minds of how we can incorporate different kind of training to these swimmers so they can develop coordination, core strength, stability, and all those good things, right? So mm. we can uh, keep them healthy in the sport for longer because, yeah, the earlier we specialize as well, right, the, the higher the chances of getting injured uh, is as well so it, it has to be a good deal of respect on on keeping uh keeping them safe and keeping them uh keeping the longevity in the sport you know in in the center because man the best swimmers are the ones that stay healthy and keep swimming if you have a longer career and you don't get injured you will have a fairly good chance of making it far in the sport right couldn't agree more man and that's kind of that's my story you know is just um playing other sports, being athletic, branching out, taking my time with swimming, staying injury-free, not getting into the weights too early, you know, heavy, heavier on the conditioning. And then as I grew into the sport, started to develop more strength, 
um, pretty much by the time I was about 18 is when I really started to get into the gym and, and work on my strength when I was, you know, a lot more mature and, and, and able to really work through the, those movements uh, better and, and gain muscle. I had, I had worked on flexibility at that point. I had worked on my conditioning. So now it was just a matter of really building strength. And to me, it seemed like a very, you know, fluid transition from, you know, playing a lot of sports, focusing more on swimming about 16, 17, <clears throat> working on my strength, going into college, gaining experience, coming out of college and feeling ready to take on the world. That, that seemed like a very fluid transition for me. Sure. Now, when you did that, Brett, did you, uh, did you have any guidance in, in the weight room or did you go in and do a little bit what you were feeling? How, how, how was your club team set up at the time? That's a really good question, Dennis. You know, um, this is the mid, uh, early, early to mid nineties kind of thing. So yeah. look, we're, we're talking, you know, a long time back where strength training and swimming really wasn't a factor yet, or they hadn't figured it out at all, you know? And so I actually went into the gym at 18 and I started working with a bodybuilder of all people and, um, yeah. and working on bodybuilding movements. Now, listen, it's not what I would recommend, but what it taught me was, first of all, how to build muscle. I think that's important, understanding how to build muscle. Um, uh, you know, understanding different movements in the gym because, you know, they, they're very kind of, um, you know, they'll work on a very specific movement to build a, a very specific muscle. So um, that helped in that sense. Um, you know, we, we did work on some of the conditioning and then there was also some dietary things in there, you know, uh, bodybuilders tend to, you know, be heavy on, um, certain amount of calories to build the muscle and then, you know, taking away certain restrictions to, you know, lean up a little bit. So learning how to balance all those things. So I wouldn't say it was a, a negative experience for me at all. I wouldn't recommend it. Like I said, that there are better ways to do it now, but for me, it really taught me the, the basics of, of building muscle, building strength, and, and had a pretty decent foundation. Then I could go on from that once I got to college and actually working with somebody that could then now apply, you know, that, that strength and those movements. I had a, a much better understanding early on because I had worked with a bodybuilder. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, we're, we're talking hypertrophy training here, right? Which is a component of training. And let's be honest. I mean, even our 16, 17, 18 year olds here, they want to put on muscle. They want to do bench press. They're asking me almost every day, are we doing bench press today? Right. You know, and hey, I don't have anything against the bench press. And I know some coaches don't recommend it. But again, it's a, it's a foundational movement. And is it swimming specific? Perhaps not. But it develops the body and, and certain musculatures. So, no, I mean, it, that does make sense. Um, and, and you're in an age where you were probably really eager of putting that on too. I remember yeah. you saying in... Um, in our podcast when you're about 17 18 uh at that time that you you felt like you were a smaller swimmer compared to your competitors right and that that also has a, a an effect on your confidence and your self-esteem right so putting on muscle getting bigger certainly does help with that persona and, and the confidence and a confident swimmer is also a fast swimmer so you cannot necessarily take that component away either um but is there a certain time and place for that Absolutely. And that's where I come in as well. So we can structure and periodize that accordingly. Because again, if we have more muscle mass, we have more potentiation of actually generating more power, right? We just have to work on those power movements a certain time after 
putting on the muscle, right? So I get it, right? It makes total sense. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Now, Dennis, my strength coach in college uh, was very famous, PK. His, name, you know, his nickname is PK, um, yep. Brian Karkoska. Um, kind of one of the founding fathers of strength training for swimming, worked with, uh, still works with the Auburn University swim team from yeah. from the early 90s uh, with all those championship teams. So uh, knows a lot and, and has gained a lot of respect in that field. He, he was of the opinion that he preferred his freshmen to come in with very little to no experience in the gym itself. The conditioning part, fine, but the body weight, all that sort of stuff, yes. But the actual movements in the gym, he wanted to teach them technique because there are techniques in the gym that are important to you to, to obviously build that strength and power, but also stay injury free. Does the, is that something that you adhere to or how, I mean, obviously you've got your own experiences, so you know how to teach techniques, but generally, would you say that's a good um, kind of philosophy to keep? I, uh, I understand why coaches feel that way. Right, because we all have certain ways of teaching movements and all have certain ways that we would want movements to look like. And the reason why strength coaches would like that to happen is that they can mold the athlete into what they would like them to be like in the weight room. Right. And I get it. Um, is that a benefit? Absolutely, in terms of teaching them the movements the way you want them and, and to go through a certain progression mm -hmm. now generations shift right now this generation of swimmers they're strong man you know and, and there are a lot of club teams in the u.s who are investing in working with either personal trainers or strength coaches who have more knowledge in the area uh, and swimming and are actually investing in doing more dumbbell work introducing some uh, mm -hmm. some uh, barbell work as well well before they're going into college so at mm -hmm. this point, I don't think that we have much choice than to accept that a lot of the swimmers that entering in college already have some sort of base movement. Um, now, is it better if they learn them the proper way? Absolutely, right? Because we can do certain movements uh, poorly. And if we do them over an extended period of time, that can increase injuries as well. So I understand the notion. I don't think you're going to see many swimmers at this point that are going to be that way. So I think uh, the, the mindset has to change a little bit, understanding that more swimmers will come in with some sort of baseline experience um, and even learning how to sometimes clean and snatch. Maybe not looking the best, but having, having done that at least. So right. uh, I understand that totally being so in the past. And I work with many strength coaches that. And I also, when I was at University of Utah working with our swimmers, had that idea, uh, you know, that, man, if I can mold them into what I would like to do in the weight room, that would be better. Um, 
and the dynamic will be a little bit easier but now you're going to get swimmers with all different kinds of backgrounds so um yeah i i hope that answers a little bit the question there sure let, let me yeah. let me go deeper then um, this is a yeah. tough question to answer when sure. should a swimmer start lifting weights i'm not talking about their body weight or i'm talking about getting yeah. in the gym and, and doing the dumbbells doing the bars doing um you know the uh what are the other things called the um the dumbbells yeah the dumbbells but now they have these uh these kettlebells ah the kettlebells that's the one thank you so those types of movements those types of activities lifting weight what age does that start dennis i wish i i wish i could tell you man i mean listen there there are weightlifting is a is an olympic sport the clean and jerk and the snatch they're in the olympics and you can see 10 11 12 year olds actually do those movements mm -hmm. their body weight and more uh, beautifully without hindering their growth without affecting their injury because man weightlifting athletes believe it or not brett has actually one of the lowest rates of injuries of all of all sports um overuse quite low you have to be mobile in order to do those movements and uh, you have to be strong so if the group itself if they are ready if they've gone through good progressions man they they can be ready to do that at, as 13 14 year olds however within that group is everyone going to be equally ready probably not so a good example would be what we're doing here with our club here because i'm working with all of our swimmers ranging from the 10 i think we might have a nine-year-old in the lowest group all the way up to uh, our Olympian and, and World Championship and European Championship swimmers and, and finding, you know, how we can develop them properly and then get ready simultaneously. So our, our junior uh, national group or the swimmers that go into junior nationals, they range between 16, 17 and up, 18, 19, 20. They're in the weight room. Uh, prior of me coming here, the group below that were also in the weight room and they are 14, 15, 16, um, doing just basic stuff, uh, not nearly what I would like for them to do. And now nine months in doing proper dry land, 30 minutes a day, uh, a few days, 45 minutes. Now they're ready to be introduced to the weight room. So we actually had our first weight room session with those youth swimmers last wednesday so on wednesday we're in about 45 50 minutes we split them off half and half uh our weight room is really small so i'm really limited with the amount of uh, equipment that i have to work with uh and if the space is small it also can increase the risk of injury but now they're coming to a point where they're mentally getting a little bit more mature they've been asking me a lot of being in there but i still needed to see them um doing x and y you know certain things to show me that they are ready to do that so now they're ready now we're just starting easy with picking up and holding the barbell can we hold it in a front rack position and breathing here just isometrically just going in and doing a little bit of loaded lunges continuing to uh work on the hip hinge pattern which is an rdl essentially unloaded with just a stick and a band if you will if we put the band in front of us hook the stick through so we get a little bit of resistance where we have to pull the band into our hips and then do the rdl and it's 
a basic one-on-one movement to actually get into more weightlifting. So if we have good supervision and the group itself feels ready, they feel mature mentally, then you're good to go. Uh, however, if you uh, if you feel like you're underqualified swimming coach or a swimming coach who might be underqualified in the strength portion, and especially on teaching swimmers movements, right? Because that's a different kind of language, different cueing, you know, then then you should be fine. And then we haven't even have the group lower than that, who is uh, 13, 14, who we've had once a week in the weight room doing just simple movements as well, uh, more stabilizing movements. So there is no set age limit. There's just a such thing as where's the group at and how comfortable is the coach teaching them uh, movements versus working on developing the muscles. Good stuff, man. I love that. That's very informative, very helpful for people listening, I think. So let's get into some big topics then. Uh, let's talk about sprint strength versus distance strength, right? Like the, the sprinters in the gym are going to be doing different things from the distance swimmers, obviously. And what are what are the differences and what, what should be the differences mainly between those two groups. And even if you wanted to put in a third group of maybe middle distance, because we certainly did that at Auburn, we, we would have three groups, sprinters, mm -hmm. middle distance, distance. And then as the season went on, it would actually even get into smaller subgroups of breaststroke, butterfly, backstroke, freestyle. Uh, and is that important to maybe uh, at some point get a little bit more specific with your breaststrokers, let's say? 100%. Um, there, there are certain movements that we can do to develop uh, different muscle groups and, and mobility in different strokes, 100%. Uh, let's start with the sprint and distance swimmers, right? And, and the middle will fall somewhere in between there, right? But in general, right, the notion has typically been distance swimmers, they should do more, more repetitions, more muscular endurance. But then again, now we're adding volume on top of volume because they already do more in the water, right? So our distance swimmer, who uh, was second in the 800 at the World Championships 2019, uh, who's working his way back up into a, a good form and good shape, you know, he's really wrapped up in how little can I do with the most gains, right? Where can I get the, the least amount of work with the most efficiency in terms of development? Sprinters, you know, they, they like to push it, you know, with them, we can, we can uh, risk a little bit more, if you will, we can stay on a little bit higher loads, and we can do more power movements, we can add a little bit extra hypertrophy there for the sprinters, because, man, sprinters are getting big nowadays, right? Um, distance swimmers, they're also big, but in, in different ways. In terms of actual programming, I don't do a, a crazy amount of difference there it also is going to come down to what does the swimmer want right uh and how do them how do they see themselves developing and what has worked for them um sure there's going to be slightly different roles here when we swim this distance it's it's always rotational movements right we're talking freestyle now um so also something that is kind of lacking in the strength portion i want to say is rotational movements in the gym Right. If you think about the squat, clean, snatch, bench press, pull-ups, you know, they're, they're just in a linear fashion. So how can we add a little bit anti-rotational work, little push-pull movements 
those things get a little bit more crucial for the the distance swimmers working on the total body connection if you will but in general man i they should also stay powerful because the longer we swim the more walls that more walls we have so um our distance swimmer he has uh, in the past focused a lot more on the lower body development and not so much on upper body development uh, we have just made a little switch two months ago for him to uh, to mix them both in a little bit. Um, and then as for, for the sprinters, man, yeah, they need to learn how to move weight. And I'm talking about 75, 80, 85% of max fast, you right. know, and again, and then swimming is, it's a cyclical sport. So it's not just one repetition. So we want to be able to reproduce that power over extended periods of time. So can we do five, six, seven, eight reps with high loads fairly quick without the velocity necessarily slowing down? It's going to be pretty important for, for right. sprinters. Right. Uh, so I try to be aware of the volume. So I want to say that sprinters sometimes do more volume work, um, or at least here. And I want to be really cautious with the distance swimmers because they do train a lot. can come up to 70, up to 100K a week, right? Um, and with that, you know, it's natural if we get some shoulder tendency and if that's the case, backing away a little bit more and adjusting that's for any program. Right? And as, as for middle distance swimmers coming right in the middle, yeah, a few more repetitions, perhaps I don't mind adding a little bit more strength endurance for those guys. And then a little bit more perhaps power endurance. And that's also common to see someone that has gone through a strength program or you know, a, a good cycle of strength training where they get stronger and get more powerful. But man, still that last five, 10 meters, you know, they're struggling. Is that a good, uh, good time to perhaps rethink to, to introduce a little bit more strength endurance and power endurance on land. And then we're talking power endurance, 15 up to 20 repetitions while still keeping the speed in the movements. Absolutely valuable. Um, and that can also be valuable for a sprinter. So even though, you know, we tend to think a lot about sprints, middle distance and distance, they do have a lot of similarities, right? And then it's a lot about listening to the individual and, and hearing their needs and what has worked in the past, especially if you're working with an athlete who's a little bit more renowned. So we have a few renowned and then I have a big group that I'm molding into what I want mm. them to do. So at this point, I'm doing a lot of general work where I know is is still beneficial for swimmers so we don't individualize things unless we're at the very top of the chain um and then absolutely when we're coming into the strokes right again we have backstroke freestyle a little bit more rotational work and then i do tend to add a few movements in for those swimmers and then adding a little bit more say lateral squats or lateral lunges for the breaststrokers developing their hips a little bit more and doing a little bit more chest emphasized work for for breaststrokers but man it's it's finding a balance mixing things up and you know and then that gives a good variation for the swimmers keeping them engaged in the weight room and also makes it more fun for me in the weight room so we don't continue to do the same thing all over again um so you know watching their development testing them seeing how they're doing is going to be key right to to find the right program um and that's a really broad answer to that question right so there's no right wrong way here it's about listening to the to the needs of the swimmers and and going from there swim angelfish swim angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities 
Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Well, Dennis, let's get let's get more specific then. You talk about the needs of the swimmers. What about your relationship with the swimming coaches? You know, in terms of programming, um, you know, you've got to come up with a weekly schedule and you want it to, I would imagine, mimic certain things that they're doing in the pool. So if they're doing you know, a power session in the gym, you maybe want to transfer that power session into the pool immediately or or whenever you would like to program it in. If they're doing some endurance in the gym, maybe they're um, supplementing that with some endurance in the pool. I don't know. So how, how do you work with the swim coach to everybody get on the same page? Man, I've had a lot of freedom. Um, for that, I'm really grateful. Um, we do the best that we can to communicate these things, right? We're, we're trying a little little different thing here this season which has so far seemed to be working really really well uh where we're working uh two plus one two weeks tough one week easy um before i go into that as far as the endurance part comes in that that's not why i am here that's not why i am um or not what i'm focusing on because man they they do endurance in the water, right? They do a lot of endurance in the water. And then my job is to, to build the engine, keep the engine full or, you know, healthy and then develop it slowly, slowly. Um, for some swimmers, we have to completely rebuild this engine. That makes sense. Um, so I don't tend to mimic as much endurance. Are there some workouts here and there? And I'm talking about maximum once a week at this point where we do a little bit of you know, cardio or um, uh, station-based uh, work for circuits, yes. And even then, I try to keep it swimming contextual or based on what we want to still develop. So whether it's speed or core strength or stability, to add those components into those little circuits is what I try to do, uh, but we don't do that much. Hey Dennis, um, on that, let me let yeah. me stop you for a second. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're using that theory, right, that they're doing a lot of endurance, couldn't you then use that same theory that they're doing a lot of speed in the pool? Because I've had this, um, you know, situation myself as as a sprint coach, where mm. we are doing a lot of speed in the pool, and then they're going in the gym and they're doing a lot of power and a lot of strength, and they're they're getting taxed in both places, you know. And so if mm -hmm. there is not a you know, if the strength coach and the swim coach aren't on the same plan, I could smash them on, on a Monday, you know, in terms of speed. And then he could go in there on Tuesday and, and hit them with uh, a huge power session and then come back Wednesday and then kind of flip-flop. So then every time they're doing something, they're doing something at full intensity. So that's where that, right. that plan would really, that being on the same page would come into effect, right? 100%. So back to our two plus one or two plus one. Um, for sprinters then, for instance, our first week, what we're doing in the water, we're working, I mean, this is completely new. Um, and we've been doing this for a few weeks now, a little bit over a month, a uh, month and a half, where we're working the first week, the front end speed, developing the front end speed for you guys. The second week, it's gonna be more back end speed. So that's gonna be a little bit more, you know, tougher volume for those sprinters. And then the third week, 
we're going to go easy. We're going to recover you. We're going to make sure that you're coming back for the following week, fresh and ready to go, right? That second week where it's a little bit tougher and it's similar for our middle distance and distance swimmers, they're just adding volume for that uh, second week. We're backing them off in the weight room. We are focusing a little bit more on movement quality, more recovery, on more active recovery than to push them. And that third week when they are actually resting in the water, I push them a little bit more in the weight room because it's also, we're talking three sessions a week mm. and if three and it's three hours and it's not that much, man, it's, it's about 1% of your week that goes into strength training, right? That's what makes it so important to actually, you know, put those puzzle pieces together. And then so far, uh, our sprinters have been responding really well so well that we have some swimmers going best times in practice already uh coming back after a 10-day camp in spain um which is you know unusual for an 18 year old to just come in like that and and then go best times and and it's fun to see so yes the communication is really important especially the more advanced the swimmers get right uh we don't want to overtax them either but to answer your question, I like to do that similarity. If they, if we have a lot of power, if we have some, some power racks, or we have some 25 off the blocks or 50s off the blocks, we can do some power work in the weight room um, before, and then it's typically fine. And then we we see that uh, what we call the 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 phenomenon PAP post activation potentiation by going in and doing something heavy into something light and actually seeing an increased power production here. So yeah, we, uh, we tend to match it a little bit, but for that really tough week, I'm backing off, which is a little uncontro- um, unconventional. So it's a little bit new thinking. And, and I, I encourage swim, uh, swimming coaches and if you're working with a strength coach to not be afraid of trying new things, right? And it's all always trial and error because again, research is limited here, right? So it's all about using the principles in a sound way. And if you are thinking about the principles in the back of your mind, Typically, you can't go wrong in the end of the season, right? So, um, yeah, that's this is a very interesting and fun topic to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I could talk for hours on this stuff and and kind of pick your brain even more. I I don't think we should, but we I could for sure. But um, what about this then? Something that you know interested me as you were talking there is this age-old theory in swimming that you know you swim nine workouts a week and you're in the gym three times a week. You know that that's kind of been since the the start of time that's kind of what it was you know is there a better way to do it dennis have you experimented with maybe like let's say i don't know i'm going to throw this out there you know five swim sessions a week and five gym sessions a week now now you're working out 10 times a week you're still getting a massive amount of volume in but trying something completely different unconventional have you had that kind of free reign or even um you know the not the guts is not the right word but i mean have you ever wanted to kind of explore something completely different uh i I would say that that might be more relevant for older swimmers um towards the tail end of their careers who have gone through because you need to do due diligence in swimming you have to put in the work Uh, there there are actually no shortcuts in this sport right but for master swimmers, 100%, that, that, that's good stuff, right? Uh, if you don't want to keep swimming that much. And that's, that's been, you know, good for myself as well. For, um, you know, 
decreasing that amount to just swim five times, say for a swimmer late teenage year, pre-college or even in college, you know, now that's a gamble. Now we we don't know how how they would um, respond to that. Uh, I don't think I know any coach who would be willing to do that because work is a big pillar stone uh, for many swimming coaches, right? right? But I can give you an example of one of our swimmers here. We have a female who uh, who necessarily doesn't have a great relationship in the weight room. She doesn't like being in the weight room that much. I understand it's not for everybody. Um, so our sessions that are, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a little bit more, including our prep work and recovery work, you know, it, it tends to be mentally taxing for her. So for her, we try to put her in the weight room every day. You know, we, we put her in five days a week. Um, she's a sprinter without taking away the swimming practice, but keeping the workouts a lot shorter. So doing perhaps two to three movements, two or three blocks of training, and then get out of there. I'll see you tomorrow. And then we work on something different. Mm. Um, and that has worked really well for her. I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody, but this is a swimmer who, uh, who's been really, she was sick a lot in the fall and the winter. So she missed a lot of training and she, she, uh, she lost a lot of strength. So for her to maintain that tension and the strength, especially for a sprint female, right? Super important. And that has been working really well for her as well. So again, listening to the swimmers and and seeing what they would like to do also works really well um if you would to do you know five strength trainings a week you would have to be really smart on on the micro on the weekly you know how what are we doing day one to day five because i would imagine that we would want to work on different physical properties here when we're talking about say muscle contractions eccentric loading isometric loading concentric loading and you can actually mix that in within the whole week and perhaps work on a little bit more stability or mobility other days um, totally could work. But taking so many swimming uh, hours out, that now we're talking unconventional, right? Now, yeah. that would be a good question for you to ask a really good coach. Now, I also actually did start a club team in Arizona um, during the pandemic while I was writing the book called Arizona High Performance Swimming Academy, where I still went a little unconventional, six workouts a week. And these were swimmers between uh, 14 to 16, mm -hmm. where we did only 90 minutes of swimming. Not very common. We were in the weight room three days a week for an hour plus, And then we did 30 minutes of dry land every day. Mm -hmm. And we saw some tremendous results here, both in engagement and how much fun they were having. Uh -huh. um, because it was a small group of kids, right? And, and swimming is really social. So that club was not never going to exceed any anything more than 10 to 12 swimmers within the group per coach. Um, and, and that was one of the hardest things for me to actually leave that club behind to uh, come out on a new venture here in Norway. But, you know, by that experiment, you know, that was working phenomenally well on, on both their development in the water and also their engagement, you know, yeah. uh, day to day, week to week. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm a fan of that. That's something I could buy into, and I think I probably have in the past of something like that with, with our sprinters, of getting that engagement. You want them happy walking into the pool and happy walking out of the pool. That's what I think. You know, a happy swimmer is a fast swimmer, and a happy swimmer is generally an engaged swimmer. And, you know, whether they're engaged in the pool or the, or the gym is going to be important to their overall success. So you don't want them dragging into the gym you know kicking and screaming like i don't want to be here this is not for me this sucks what's the what's the point of this or i'm exhausted i can't get anything out of this today they, these are not 
you know, formulas for success long term. I don't think so. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I like that a lot. Now, another really important topic here, I think, is the transfer from the gym to the pool. And this is where, you know, my, my strength coach PK was exceptional and, and a leader in this area in, in the pool swimming. Um, you know, we would do for the sprinters, we would, we would lift in the morning, you know, as soon as we got out of bed, have something small to eat, you know, hydrate, get into the gym where, when he felt like, you know, our, our testosterone levels were highest coming off our sleep and things like that. And, and recovery was, was good. Um, we would do some mobility work to warm up and then get into our strength training. And then after the strength training, you know, from six to seven o'clock, then we would then immediately walk over to the pool and transfer that into power swimming for about 20, 25 minutes. Does that seem like the best way to do it for you? And what does it mean to transfer power from the gym to the pool? Right. Yeah, many different ways that we can do it here. And then what, what you guys were doing there is a good formula. Right? Um, here, for instance, we don't have any morning lifts at this point, except for our youth group that I mentioned who uh, who does it in the morning where it's you know it's simple stuff Let, let's get used to the weight room let's respect the weight room let's let's learn how to uh, pick up the weights put the weights back and and those kind of things but at that level right when we're talking a little bit more advanced um, that's a good way to go 100% in general though I mean if we think about a um, force velocity curve and I don't want to get overly scientific here but essentially the heavier loads that we lift right the the closer to max we get the slower the movement is right. mm -hmm. in the water it's completely different the slower we pull the water the less resistance that we have right granted say we are keeping our technique in the water we're pulling the water really fast now that force of velocity curve is going to be completely opposite um and, and in the weight room the lighter the weight is and the faster we move the quicker the velocity is mm -hmm. And swimming is fast. Swimming is a powerful sport. And, mm -hmm. and, and generally what I've seen uh, the major mistake being is that we, we stay for too long in that 80, 85, 90, 95% range of max. And then we stay and then we lift heavy weights for long periods of time. Right. Now we should, we should explore that and we should build that capacity 100%. But as we get closer to the championships, right? lesser the weights lower the weights a little bit and focus on the speed of the movements and if we do that with good timing in the season again we can't get too wrong here um uh, because it is important to build strength and develop our strength but it's also important to to work that strength fast right so um for instance talk about lifting or doing movements assisted like with band, say if we do a push up, hang it around the bar, go down, and you put it around your chest, and now you do an assisted push up where you're actually flying up. Same thing when you're jumping, you're holding the band and you're jumping up, and you you completely get those muscles to contract way faster than they're used to. And we get that good balance in our training. That's when we typically tend to see the swimmers responding well towards the end of the year. So my recommendation would be in general between four weeks to eight weeks could be even more than that for some swimmers that we we do our we're we do our heaviest phase of, mm. of lifting and after that we 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 lower the weight we focus more on the speed um but you can also do a little good contrast depending on when you actually like do your max lift last and 
if there's a long period to the swimming uh, the championships, we can actually put that in a little bit here and there. But again, that, that comes a lot from the coach-athlete dynamic and the, based on how big the group is, right, and how many swimmers you have, it might complicate things. And uh, But in general, right, uh, don't forget to lift lighter or sub-maximal loads fast and even do assisted exercises where we can actually get the muscles to contract quicker than they, they actually do when we just do a regular box jump or a squat jump, right? To actually right. get a really high uh, contraction in, in that muscle. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. it. I love it, man. Good information. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Um, another really interesting question for me and probably everybody else listening is, um, you know, you build strength and power to a certain point where you feel like you're at your maximum for that season. You know, you've got, you've gained as much strength as you can get. You feel very powerful. When do you get out of the gym? When, when does that point, when do you need to pull out and, and how long can you hold it so that by the time that first race goes off, you're still at maximum strength and power instead of it fading away. So you know what I'm saying is like, when is that time to get out of the gym and um, just focus on, you know, completely resting to race day? Now, this is an area where I think that research is going to uh, boom a little bit here this next uh, next decade, right? If I feel like if the decade prior to this one, we I think we, we got a really good understanding that, okay, strength training for swimmers, it's important. This next decade is going to be a lot more, okay, what's most optimal? How can we make mm. this more efficient? Right. Um, there are some universities, some, some colleges that actually bring their, their, uh, their, um, their barbells, dumbbells, and plates to the championships right. and do a little bit of movements before they jump in the water to actually warm up. And again, I, I mentioned it quickly uh post activation potentiation pap just to go in and do say three sets of three squats or not even two sets of three squats with sub maximal load but do it quick do uh three pull-ups twice with sub maximal load do it quick do two to three hand cleans do it quick uh and now we're warmed up and we're ready if we've done our prep work before that we've done a little bit of strength work and now we're ready to actually warm up and then race when we're tapered you know, if you're programming that in, you don't have to back off weights because traditionally, right, about like 30 days, a month before we just drop strength training. Right. Now, I think it's uh, we're evolving here um, as a swimming community where we're actually, you know, a as far as the week before we can be in the weight room and and just do some jumps, throw some medicine balls to maintain the tension. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly what you mentioned to not lose the speed so we can get into a little maintenance phase because at that point we don't necessarily want to develop more but we don't want to lose it either so um 
I am curious to see, you know, how research is going to go on, you know, lifting while in the Olympics, while at world championships. Can we do something in the weight room either the day before or right before we jump in the water without the swimmers necessarily being afraid of it or the swimming coaches being afraid of it? Um, and then seeing the benefits of the brain making the connections to the muscle to fire those signals quicker. And that's essentially what post-activation potentiation is. Um, and there's many different ways that we can do it. So, man, this is an unexplored area. Yeah. And listen, I think there are people now exploring it because, um, you know, Olympic champion Pernell Bloom has now kind of set a standard for not actually even getting into the pool before her race. You know, she will actually do these um, pre-warm-up activation type activities where she'll she'll have, you know, her sweats on. She'll be doing some land work. Um, she'll be on a, a stationary bike. She'll be doing some skipping. She'll be doing some medicine balls, you know, all types of activation work. She'll get up a nice sweat. She'll go and put her swimsuit on and she'll go and race. She doesn't actually get into the pool to warm up. And this is uh, mm. obviously something very experimental, but she's having great success with it. Do you think we'll see more and more of this? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that, that that's that's a little bit of a gamble, right? I mean, again, the swimming specific movement, swimming specificity is still important, and having the feeling for the water is still going to be important. But hey, man, if you—that's also muscle memory. She's been doing it for how many years now, right? So she she kind of knows it. Um, and I've always felt like sometimes that we might warm up in the water for too long. But then on the flip side, you might have athletes, at least on the younger ages who may not warm up enough. And sometimes after, you know, a session or a workout after 8,000 meters of swimming and going in and doing a 25 meter max and they're going the best time, right? And then it's not physiologically, like you're not supposed to do that, but perhaps you are not as warmed up as you potentially could be. And getting on the bike and doing those activation type drills. And if you know your body, you get your body temperature up enough and you kind of back that off in good time and we're talking about timing here too like here's the race when do we stop that and when do we just kind of breathe and relax you know it's unexplored but hey she's an olympic champion right and if it works it works yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, listen uh we're, we're coming up on the hour mark there's so much to talk about here this it's we yeah, could man. go so in depth i think we should actually probably do a part two based on let's put this podcast out and let's get people giving us feedback of all right what else do you sure. want us to talk about where else could we go specifically? I think a part two of this would be absolutely necessary, but I don't want to extend it now. I want people to listen to this. I want them to have questions based on what we're talking about right now. I want them to come back with feedback for us and we'll do a part two, you know, whether it be a couple of weeks or whatever, we can, we can put it up again and we'll answer specific questions to people. I think that would be a really good way to do this, Dennis. Um, show us the book one more time. I'm going to uh, go full screen here. Okay, Foundations yeah. of Strength Training for Swimmers, Complete Guide to Develop Swimming, Power and Manage Injuries, really good stuff. Not a lot of stuff like this on the market for swimmers and, and coaches, um, educational. You can find it on Amazon. We're going to put up the link. Uh, Nate will put up the link. This is his speciality. He'll jump in and put some links up for, for the book as well. So uh, listen, Dennis, I appreciate this. I think there's so much more we could talk about, like you said, and I um, uh, appreciate your time this morning, man. I appreciate you, man. Uh, you're doing great things for the swimming community. And that's wise. We, like you say, we can talk about this for hours, but yeah. 
we, we don't want to lose uh, people either. Right, so right. I, I appreciate you, man. And I know that we might run into each other at the ASCA conference uh, in September yeah. regardless. So that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. For sure. Absolutely. Well, I hope a bunch of people buy the book and, uh, and I hope you guys come back with a lot of questions for us so we can do this again. Um, all right, Dennis, take care, man. I appreciate you taking your time on Sunday. Thanks. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Bye.